Well, well, good morning, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Unraveling the Words of Yahweh. My name is Kevin Eichner, and so glad to have you tuning in here this morning. And, uh, oh, mercy sakes. Hey, we are in this book of Revelation, and uh, the apocalypse, as I like to say, the apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah. And, uh, you know, that's, we're talking about the manifestation, uh, the presentation, the, the coming or the appearing of, uh, of Yeshua Messiah in, in the person there. And uh, we're, we've been studying these seals. Now, keep in mind that as, that as I go through these seals here in this chapter 6, I'm giving you some thoughts on what is happening today and even yesterday. But you see, folks, those seals may have been open for some time now. Do you realize that? But they're still doing their work. A major key aspect of these seals is the fact that they are being opened up in heaven. Therefore, these seals are being controlled by Yahweh. They will continue to work until the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes back to gather his redeemed elect that continue to go about and reach out to those souls which lie in darkness. And we also boldly proclaim the gospel of his kingdom, exposing the New World Order. By the way, when do you think that these seals began their work? Did they begin when Yeshua Messiah opened the book as we read in the beginning of this chapter? Or, let me throw this out to you now, or did Yeshua Messiah reveal the future to John on these seals? And the seals really didn't affect, come in effect until Israel became a nation of May of 1948. Now I throw that out, that thought based on what he tells us there in Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 to 35. He's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to you and I. And he says there in verse 32, now learn, don't overlook that. Learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, when that fig tree, the branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation, the generation of the parable of the fig tree, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. All those opening of the seals, the trumpets, and the vials. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Let me ask you an important question. Is the prophecy of the apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah worldwide, or does it pertain to the land of Israel only? Or does it pertain to the land of Israel, but have a spreading prophetic events occurring throughout the world? See, these are some of the things that, as students of the Bible, we have to focus on. Is the prophecy, the apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah, is it worldwide? 
Or does it pertain to the land of Israel only? Or does it pertain to the land of Israel but have spreading prophetic events occurring throughout the world? Once again, let me express the fact that the church, the Ekkelsia, is still on this earth. We are not raptured away. You hear that? We are not raptured away as many churches teach today. You see, John is taken up to heaven and when was this and was in the spirit given details on what you and I can expect. He was taken up on that Lord's day there in chapter one, verse 10. That day of the great, the prophet spoke about Amos. All the great prophets. We're in this chapter six. We're going to pick it up here in verse 9. We're going to take a look at the fifth seal. Now, the fifth seal is marked off and separated from all the others. It stands alone, giving us another side of the picture. The first seal shows the mighty agency employed by Satan as the earthly leader of the earthly portion of his gathering host. The action of these satanic forces is assumed by the next three seals, the second, third, and the fourth. Inasmuch as they are directed against Satan's opposed forces. Once again, keep in mind that even though these seals sound like demonic forces behind them, Yahweh is still in charge. Just as I read last week there in Job chapter 2 and so forth. In this earthly conflict, there can be only suffering and martyrdom for those on the earth who hold and maintain the testimony of the word of Yahweh. That is, who hold fast to the special truth communicated in this book and its contents as defined in chapter 1, verse 2 and 9, chapter 12, verse 17, and chapter 20, verse 4, this is further explained as not worshiping the beast or receiving his mark upon their foreheads. The two mighty forces, the beast and the Antichrist, have joined in hostilities. The opposing hosts have met. Those who are on the Lord's side suffer in consequence. Therefore, in the fifth seal, we have this episode introduced to make the whole complete and give all the sides of the great conflict. The first four seals are connected together by each commencing with a cry from one of the, the four beasts, the Zoah, and the going forth of a horseman. The remaining three is thus marked off as separate series. The first series of the four has to do with men as such, and the first of the second series we have the saints of the Most High. The order of our Lord's great prophecy, there in Matthew chapter 24, is still closely followed. In that chapter 24, verses 6 through 8, he's spoken of war, famine, pestilence, which are the beginning of sorrows. 
And then in verse 9, he immediately goes on to say, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all the Gentiles for my name's sake. You see, folks, beginning with that verse 9 to verse 28, these words of our Lord are the key to the fifth seal. I'm going to take a few seconds. And I'm going to read that, Matthew chapter 24. You see, the, the churches today, a majority of the churches today teach you that you're raptured out. You're going to fly away. Don't worry about the tribulation period. But we found out that that's not true. That's not what the word teaches us. Verse 9 in Matthew chapter 24, once again. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another, especially in the Christian realm. As these milk-sucking bottled Christians still try to team up with the beast and the Antichrist. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. How true that is, even today, false prophets. And because iniquity shall abound, don't make no mistakes, it's going to grow, folks. And we see it happening, even in this generation, this very generation, where the Hal Lindsay's and the, the Stones and all those guys. The TBN, the CBN, the 700 Club, they all said we're going to be raptured out. Tommy Ice, Hal Lindsey, all those lunatics. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax old. Now listen very carefully. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Do you understand that? I went into great detail in my rapture doctrine series which you can hear on the podcast also. Listen to what he's saying here. He just gave us the seals. We're now in the fifth seal, and he's telling us about the abomination of desolation. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains, those in Israel, Judah. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. You see, folks, this is said for urgency. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Why? Well, we know at the twinkling of the eye we're all going to be changed in the spiritual bodies. There's no more need for the fleshly world. Woe unto them that are with child. And hold to them that suck in those days. What he's referring to here is sucking on that milk. 
as many Christians, it's sad to say, many Christians do today in the churches. And they get sucked in those days, in the days of the abomination of desolation, because they never got into the word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Continue to suck on the words of the ministers that are from the pulpit that are not teaching the truth. Think about it. If the individuals in the pulpit were teaching the truth, we wouldn't be in the chaos we are today. We would have true-hearted Christian leaders. But see, the churches are 501c3. They're bought in. They're paid for. The ministers are working for Lucifer. But pray that your flight be not in the winter. Why? Because we know that the Feast of Tabernacles comes in the fall. He is our tabernacle. Neither on the Sabbath day. Because see, on the Sabbath day, they were, they were only allowed to travel two miles. But he's telling you to flee for the abomination of desolation. For then shall be the great tribulation. Such was not since the beginning of the world at this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened. We'll read that in Revelation 9 when we get to it. There should no flesh be saved. You hear what he's saying? The deception is going to be so great. The truth of the gospel of Yeshua Messiah is going to be so twisted. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here's the Messiah there, believe him not. We hear that today. Let's see. We heard. You know, one, one president I haven't heard be calling the, the Messiah is Joe Biden. Hmm, figure that out. But we heard of Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. We heard of Obama, Clinton, the Bushes. All claim to be the Messiah. How ludicrous is that? For there shall rise false messiahs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. They're, they're trying. What, 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 you got to keep in mind what he's saying here. He's trying to compete with the two witnesses. They're in the book of Revelation, chapter 11. Inasmuch that if they were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You see, this is what Lucifer's doing now. Make no mistake, Lucifer is very highly intelligent. His demonic beings, supernatural beings, they're not stupid. They know the word probably better than any Christian alive. So what they're doing, they're, they're creating these elements out there. So as these two witnesses walk the earth, they'll be able to counter it. I, I, I can think of Zern, C-E-R-N. Check it out, what they're accomplishing. I, I, I can think up there in Alaska. You see, folks, we got to wake up and realize what's going around us today. What's happening today. You have to understand. You have to ask yourself why. Why is Bill Gates. Now the largest 
landowner in the United States. And guess who's number two? The Chinese. Why are those two the largest landowners in the United States? You see, folks, there's a reason behind this. The Federal Reserve, once again, raised the interest rates. Well, who controls the, uh, the Federal Reserve? The Illuminati, the Freemasons, the Cl uh, Club of 300, whatever you want to call them. The dark forces of Lucifer. They control you. Who was it? Uh, uh, one of the, uh, Rothschild, uh, one of the boys, he, he, he made the comment, Whoever controls the money controls the world. Blackguard, Vanguard. All the, there's three top ones. Control everything. You have to wake up and realize what's happening. Say no joke. Behold, I told you before. Wherefore, they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chamber. Believe it not. Yeshua Messiah never, he never hid himself. He was always out in the open. For as the lightning coming out of the east, if you understand this, then you understand that the, the false Messiah comes first. Shineth even unto the west, shall so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles shall be gathered together. If you really want to get in death on that, check out the book of Enoch. Chapters 89 and 90. You see, folks, in that Matthew chapter 24, he gives us an insight of the fifth seal. Let me set up the scene for you. Here's the first glimpse of the martyrdom pageant, which was reopened in the 20th chapter in the grand finale of victory. It is the tribulation of Matthew 24 as extended form, an enlargement of, of what I've just read there in Matthew chapter 24, 9. By the way, you can go to Luke chapter 21, verse 16. Depicting the supreme sufferings of those who were companions in the tribulation in the kingdom and the patience of Yeshua Messiah. By the way, the Greek word for martyr is the same word as witness. There are times in translating the New Testament where we have to choose between the meaning of the original Greek word martos to be either witness or martyr. For an example, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, in the message to the church of Smyrna, Anabas, my faithful martyrs, could equally mean that Anabas was a faithful witness or a faithful martyr. The point is that any faithful witness for the Messiah in John's day in or our own day must expect persecution from a hostile world. Even as Yeshua Messiah said, Blessed are they that are persecuted for the righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You understand that? Blessed are they that are persecuted for the righteous sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He also said, 
as they have persecuted me, so also will they persecute you. You see, folks, the bringing of the good news of the Messiah to the world can be costly. It can involve suffering and even death. Those are the consequences that we have to face as you and I reach out to try to save souls, try to expose this new world order, the chaos that's happening, not only in Israel. Oh, by the way, I believe now Israel is the number one nation as far as homosexual activity. Yahweh's not a very happy camper, folks. We're starting to see monkeypox spread out. He's not happy, folks. We need to wake up and realize what's happening. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when he, the Lamb, had opened the fifth seal, grace, Never forget that grace. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of Yahweh. For the testimony which they held. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Never given up. Always preaching the testimony. Under the altar. As the blood of the sacrificial victim slain on the altar was poured at the bottom of the altar, so the souls of the sacrifice for Yeshua Messiah's testimony are symbolically represented as under the altar in heaven. For the life of the animal's soul is in the blood, and the blood is often represented as crying for vengeance. There in Genesis 4.10. The altar in heaven, which is a shadow to the altar of sacrifice, is Yeshua Messiah crucified. As it is the altar that sanctifies the gift, so it's Yeshua Messiah alone who makes our obedience and even our sacrifice of life for the truth acceptable to Yahweh. You see, the sacrificial altar was not in the sanctuary, but outside. So Yeshua Messiah's literal sacrifice and the figurative sacrifice of the martyrs took place, not in the heavenly sanctuary, but outside, here on earth. The only altar in heaven is that shadow to the temple altar of incense. You see, the blood of the martyrs cries, from the earth under the Messiah's cross, whereon they may be considered virtually to have been sacrificed. Their souls cry from under the altar of incense, which is Yeshua Messiah in heaven, by whom alone the incense of praise is accepted before Yahweh. The saints are under Yeshua Messiah in his immediate presence, shut up unto him in joyful, eager expectancy until he shall come to raise the sleeping dead. We can compare the language of 2 Maccabees chapter 7, verse 36. For our brethren, 
who now have suffered a short pain are dead under Yahweh's covenant of ever everlasting life. But thou through the judgment of Yahweh shall receive the just punishment for thy pride. Once again, 2 Maccabees chapter 7, verse 36. As indicated Jewish opinion on the subject. Our brethren who have now suffered a short pain are dead under the Greek Elihim's covenant of everlasting life. But take notice what he's looking here. He said, the souls, the suke, the breath, by implication, the spirit. I've seen the spirits of them. They're in them spiritual bodies that were slain. You see, all mystery is removed if we simply take the word souls here as being put by the figure, the figure of speech called Sinochdonic for persons. By this figure of speech, a part is put for the whole. This is called of the part. By it, the head is put for the man himself. The face is put for the whole person. The eye is put for the whole person. The belly, the heart also. The feet. In like manner, the hand. We put the hand for the whole person when we speak of so many hands being employed. Body is put for a person, especially in the case of the slaves. We believe that the same figure of speech is used here in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 for soul. Soul is often put for person. When we say the population consists of many souls, we do not mean soul is distinct from body, but what we mean so many persons. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, we read of the souls that have gotten in, in Haran. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 21, the king of Sodom says, give me the souls, that's to say, the captive. Take the goods. The word sukei has no such fixed meaning as it is put upon, put upon it by theology and tradition. It occurs in the New Testament 105 times, rendered life 40 times, soul 58 times, mind 3 times, heart once. So therefore, there's no reason whatever for adhering to the traditional rending soul in this passage as denoting part of a man. The words simply mean, I saw those who have been slain. Wow. He hears this. What John sees is the vision for the purpose of instructing him. Just as Jotham's parable instructed the men of Israel when he represented trees as speaking. Moreover, the words of them give a wrong emphasis. The Greek is not so definite as that. John sees the martyr saints at the foot of the altar of the burnt offering. He sees not animal victims, but human beings. Like sacrifices, they have been slain for their testimony. Not sacrifices of atonement, but of devotion. These were called drink offerings. And the verb, spenoomia, is used of the pouring out of a drink offering. Their condition here as dead is set in definite contrast to their condition when afterwards they are raised. 
There in chapter 20, verse 4, shows that in verse 9, they could not be the reigning with Yeshua Messiah till they lived again, till they must wait as the answer to their cry declares. Note that the souls are not in the earth or graves, souls being you inside the flesh. Here's something that we should not overlook. In chapter 1, verse 10, we read of John being in the spirit on the Lord's day. I made mention that he was in his spiritual body in his time frame. This verse 9 documents that. Why? We know that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Therefore, John must be in a spiritual body because he is standing at the altar of Yahweh who is in heaven. And I saw under the altar the souls of them were slain for the word of Yahweh, the Logos. John 1 1, the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Not a plan, not an it, as some Bible translations have it, but the Logos. Keep in mind that the, the author of the Revelation, John, is the same individual that wrote the Gospel of John. The Logos. He knew exactly what he was talking about. In the beginning was the Word. The Logos. The Word of Yahweh. He says here. And the word was with, the logos was with Yahweh. The word, logos, was Yahweh. In him was life, eternal life. And the life of the light of men, the true, the true light of men. The light that shineth in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. These are the souls, these are the saints, the testimony. More to real evidence given, record. Once again, the same thing, John. Let me, John chapter 1, verse 7. His thought on this. He states here very clearly, there in chapter what John chapter 1, verse 7. The, the same came for a witness, evidence, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. That was John the Baptist, that witness. He was a witness of the witness that was sent from Yahweh for a testimony which they held. Now in the Syriac, in the Arabic version, it reads, for the testimony of the Lamb. Either for the gospel, which is the testimony of the person, office, grace of Yeshua Messiah, the Lamb, which they embraced, they professed, they held fast. They didn't waver. As our politicians waver today, all claiming to be Christians. If our liberal and even the rhino politicians were Christians. They would not be backing the likes of the Antifa, the Oath Keepers, 
Black Lives Matter, all those individuals. But they would be upholding the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, proclaiming the King and King, the Lord of Lords, spreading the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. But no. Very far and few in between politicians present the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. In a speech given last week, i got to give Ron DeSantis credit. He claimed the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. You got to realize that that these. I look at the bushes. Do you realize that when when, when <clears throat> the bushes when when they laid their hand there at the inaugural day in the Bible? Do you realize that that Bible was a Masonic Bible? They they didn't were when they said one nation under God. They're not talking about the God of this nation, but they're talking about their Luciferian God. And then we have these Christian conservatives, these lunatic TV evangelists, all running, scrambling up to the Bush family. <clears throat> One of the biggest drug pushers in the United States history. Responsible for 9-11. That's right. Do your homework. Sitting there. Bush Jr. down there in Florida. Reading a goat's book upside down. People, we got to wake up, man. You got to realize these people are not your friends. These are the false messiahs, the false prophets foretold by Yeshua himself. This is why it's so important that you and I stay in his word. His word will set us free. If you got a backstabbing politician, Contradicting the word, he's a liar. I don't give a hoot if it's a if it's a county official, state official, federal official. If their words don't line up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they're a liar. Verse ten, and they they cry with a loud voice. Saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long, O Lord? Just as Abel's blood was said to cry. Note, this is with great passion and eagerness, being very pressing and persistent. You don't read this. And they cry with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord? No, no. John, he's up there in that spirit on the Lord's day. He's looking back. He sees these saints, these martyred ones, and they're crying unto him. How long, O Lord? Holy and true, the lamb. The lamb that's opening the, the book, the seals. Does thou not judge and avenge our blood, O Lord, on them that dwell on the earth? Being very present and persistent, which shows that they were awake and not asleep. They're not dead. That the soul does not sleep with the body in the grave, or is after the death of that in the state of insens insensibility 
and inactivity as some people imagine. How long, O Lord, holy and true, the person they address is either the lamb in the midst of the throne, whom they are with and under the shelter of whom they were safe and happy, or Yahweh the Father, who sat upon the throne, whom they called holy because of his, his so and his nature. I render this. How long, O Lord? I can't help but think of the, the Hebrew word et. The Greek alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending. The one and the same. How long, O Lord? The word rendered here, Lord, is master. Is a remarkable word. It's never used in the church epistles. The word, the Greek word is despotis, from which we have our word despot. Lord, master. We could hardly use this word here and prefer sovereign Lord as meaning more than merely master, the revised version, denoting the great and the sovereign disposer of the whole earth. A careful study of the passages where the title occurs will not only throw light upon these passages, but will also serve to show that we have not here anything to do with the church or with any other truly Christian martyr, but with a special class of martyrs who in the days of the great tribulation give their particular testimony and suffer a peculiar martyrdom. How long, he says, judge and avenge. You see, these souls are waiting for Yahweh's wrath to those that cause evilness on the earth. Note that these souls are killed before the son of perdition is revealed. This is a call constant with the day of judgment, not with the present day of grace. That dwell on the earth, the ungodly of earth, earthly, and distinguished from the church, the Ecclesia, whose home and heart are even now in heavenly places. Take the word own, on, on, apple. Most of the manuscripts read ek, out from. Me personally, I like the word. The preposition ek. You ask me what the difference? Well, apo denotes motion from the surface of the object as a line drawn from the circumference of a circle, if you understand prepositions. Meanwhile, ek denotes a line drawn from the center of a circle. When we read verse 9 of the altar, this is the altar of the Lord, which is the midst, as wrote there in, chap in the fourth chapter. This is ek, out of the earth. This cry is appropriate to the coming of our Lord and Savior as it was to the former. We can read in many of the Psalms. Psalms, well you know what, let me turn there. In Psalms 13 for instance, let me just share some, some of these cries. Psalms chapter 13. Let's see. I'm just going to read what verses 1 and 2 probably. Let's see. How long, O oh Lord? Listen to the words here. 
How long will thou forget me, O Yahweh, forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long, he says. I can't help but think of Psalm 79 as he continues this thought process. How long? How long, he says here. Let's see here, 79, uh, verse 5. How long, Yahweh? Wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? How long, O Lord? It's the same cry. Indeed, the song of Moses concludes with this blessed assurance on which the cry, this cry of faith is based on. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 34. Rejoice, O you nations, with these people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render justice, vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. You see, just as he avenged the blood of his servants of the prophets on Ahab and Jezebel, there in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 7. When this present day of grace is over, then this cry will be consistent with standing of those who utter it. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, we have a prophetic parable, which cannot be understood if we interpret it the church of Yahweh but which is not only perfected clearly, if rightly divided as to its dispensational character, but most helpful in making us to understand better this fifth seal. Let me turn to that Luke chapter 18, in case you're not familiar with it. Yeshua Messiah speaking. He loves giving parables. It makes us stop and think and wonder what's going on. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Do you hear that? Always to pray and not faint. Saying there, there was in a city a judge which feared not Yahweh. Neither regarded man. Wow, we got a lot of them going on today, don't we? And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not Yahweh nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. That was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit driving this widow. Supernatural. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not Yahweh avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he hear long with them? He hears our cries. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. 
See, the problem with Christians is Christians don't have patience. It's not our time. It's Yahweh's time. It's his time frame. It is a cry of Israel represented as a widow. This cannot be the churches for the, for the rapture doctrine. But it's especially the title applicable to Israel in a certain condition. As we read there in uh, Isaiah chapter 54 verses 4 and 5. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 1. Any child of Yahweh could not use the cry, avenge me and my adversary now. The widow represents Israel. We're the seals. The break in our chapter severs the close connection between Luke 17 and 18. Separates the parable in Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eighteen, verses one through eight, from the coming of the uh, treated kingdom. There in Luke chapter seventeen, verses twenty to the end. The section commences with the question of the Pharisees as, "When the kingdom of Yahweh should come?" The Lord answers, "The kingdom of Yahweh cometh not with hostile watching, such as you practice." Check out the verb. Neither he adds. So they say, lo, or lo here, for behold, the kingdom of Yahweh is in the midst, in the midst of you, in the person of the king. It could not be within the hearts of the enemies who were seeking his life. You see, realistically, spiritually speaking, the kingdom of Yahweh is now dwelling on this earth in us. The problem lies that these so-called milk-sucking bottled Christians rather keep following the 501c3 churches. They're spiritually dead. This is why this nation is falling into corruption. Look around us. You go back 50, 60 years ago, with television. Look at all the good family programs. And just in my lifetime, the chaos that is on television now. Went over yesterday, visited my great-great-grandson. He's sitting there and he's watching this stuff on YouTube. I asked his father, what in the world's going on here? He said, well, Pops, we got these YouTube gamers and they're making money sitting there making a YouTube of themselves playing a game. And he explained to me that if he gets a thousand followers and so many likes, YouTube actually pays him to come on YouTube to play games. That's how bad it's getting. The school system. And I work for the school system. Corruptness. Within the teaching. Our school systems are getting so liberal it's pathetic. We need to stand up. Wake up. Stand up for Yeshua Messiah. We need to go in there and proclaim the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Need to, need to start talking to our children. 
because it's their generation. I may not live long enough to see the king and king and the royals. I don't know. But I know that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, possibly they will. It's sad. The Lord goes on to speak of the coming of the Son of Man to the end of the chapter. Comparing with the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Connecting it with the very end of the tribulation. As there in Matthew chapter 24 verse 27. As lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west. So shall also this, the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will be the eagles be gathered together. Check out Job chapter 39 verse 30 by the way. The Lord goes on in that Luke chapter 18 once again to describe the position of his servants during those terrible days. As one awaiting and praying. Their cry for vengeance is almost identical with what we hear under the fifth seal. They say with reference to those days that they ought always to pray and not to faint because their desire is not once fulfilled. Oh, praise the Lord. I talked about that Psalm 79. The whole of this Psalm 79 should be read in connection with the other Psalms, such as chapters 10 and 11, 54, 55, 94, chapter 143. It's beautiful to notice how the, after the Lord calls attention to the action of the unjust judge, he exaltedly declares of him that he is holy and true, and shall not Yahweh avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him. He is long-suffering over them. I say unto you that he will judge them speedily. But he has to add and ask, How be it, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Wow. Once again, is it the earth? Or may it be in the land. The land of the Jewish. The land of Israel. As was at that first advent. Verse 11. The martyrs under the altar. What was given in them. Listen to what he says here. And white robes. The emblems of purity. Innocence. Triumph. When those saints return with Yeshua Messiah in that last trumpet, in their white robes, they look as the clouds in the sky. And white robe, let me let me read this. I'm going to talk about these white robes. The white robes were given unto them, every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest, yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also, and their brethren that they should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. You see, folks, those of us, make no bones about it, those of us that continue to proclaim the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, stand up for the cause, try to reach the souls that lie in utter darkness. There's a possibility that you and I will be martyred. We will be killed also. This is what he's telling them. But he gives them these white robes. Now take notice. You see, Paul knew this. 
So Paul, Paul says here in this Thessalonians, he says up here, uh, well, you, you go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Yeshua will Yahweh bring with them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those souls there in the fifth seal. So let's stop for a second. We got these bumbling lunatic churches out there teaching you, oh dear brother and sister, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. And you know what? I, I I believe Jesus is hold he's he's speaking to me. Oh 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 dear brother and sister, Jesus just spoke to me. We're gonna be raptured out today. Oh praise God, we're gonna be that's what the churches are teaching today. But listen what he says. If we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so them also would sleep in Yeshua, will Yahweh bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word, the logos. Of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We're not going to go before them that are all those saints, those saints here in this fifth seal. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of the sound. The trump of Yahweh and the dead in the Messiah shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. He ain't talking about the clouds in the sky. He's talking about our spiritual bodies as we put on those righteous robes. As you and I are standing on this earth and we're looking up and we see that, that lightning coming out of the east as proclaimed. And he's coming with those saints, those martyred saints of the fifth seal here. It's going to look like a cloud. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he is in, he'll be in front of them, leading them, leading the charge to meet the Lord in the air. Now I want you to look at that word air. In the Greek, and you check me out, please check me out. You check out that word air. It's harir. It means breath. Talks about your spiritual body. If Paul wanted us to meet the Lord in the physical sky, he would have used the Greek word oranios. That shows you the ignorance, the stupidity of the churches and those that continue to suck on bottled milk. It was said unto them, we must ask ourselves, who's speaking to these saints that were killed? For the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. Could it be the Messiah? Were the, these saints asked the question. How long O Lord? From the nature of the case. Their cry and their answer. To it had to be heard by, by John successively. Them. Those in heaven. Even thus was the promise made there. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. Marking them as righteous. As the servants of Yahweh. We, we have in this latter part here their, the answer to their cry. He says here, they should be killed. 
or I'm sorry, they should rest. And and if for the deeper scholars, in the manuscript C along with A, it reads should, but in the manuscripts uh, uh, of A and B, shall rest. They shall rest. That they should, they shall. Yet. Eddie, yet, still, of a time and degree. For a season, chronos, talking about a period, fellow servants, slave, bond servant. That's to say for Yeshua Messiah in the testimony. The fellow servants, their brethren, fellow servants and the brethren. Folks, that they should be killed. That they're about to be killed. Once again, I ask you this. How can this be if the churches are raptured out? As they were. Even as those souls under the altar that were slain for the cause of Yeshua Messiah. Should be fulfilled. Accomplished. Play roo To fulfill. Accomplish. Could this be the reference to the teachings of Yeshua Messiah of his returning in the last trump, which he taught in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Revelation 21, until their brethren be fulfilled in number, until their full number shall have been completed. The number of the elect is definitely fixed. The number. The number. What a beautiful time we are living. Folks, we are starting to see prophecy unfold. The decision is whether or not you want to be part of it. What side of the fence do you want to go? For those of us that continue to follow the truth, the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, as I close out, listen to what Yeshua Messiah tells us, tells his disciples. We're disciples. We're disciplined. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Praise the Lord. You and I, we who belong to the Lord, have a great invitation to thoroughly express our hearts to Him in a humble, dependent prayer. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. There in Psalms 62.8. We also have a great need to be speaking to Him. Without me, you can do nothing. John 15.5 We also have a great promise of answered prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You see, when the people of Yahweh are prayerless, they do not receive from, you, from the Lord all that he wants to give them. You do not have because you do not ask, James 4.2. At times, Yahweh's children pray, but they still do not receive from the Lord. 
You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. James 4.3 You see, their prayers are anchored in their own will and interest. True praying is to be anchored in the will of Yahweh. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. At this juncture, the scriptures are vital in our daily prayer life. Yahweh's word directs us in the praying according to the will of Yahweh. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you, John 15, 7. As we are abiding in, depending upon the Messiah, we will be wanting his word to have full sway in our lives. As you and I are consistently getting into his word, the scriptures are shaping our thinking, our desiring. Consequently, we ask what the Lord is teaching us to desire. In that beautiful biblical setting, he promises to give us whatever we ask. All of this describes the essence of praying in the name of Yeshua Messiah. Praying in the G Yeshua's name is not merely a formula of words with which to conclude our prayers. Whether we verbalize that phrase or not, it is about praying as Yeshua would pray, always concerned about the will of his Father. You understand that? Yeshua always prayed concerning the will of his Father. It's about praying based on all that the world teaches about the present, or the word teaches about the person, the work of the Lord Yeshua on our behalf. Those who pray this way enjoy the certainty of the great promises of answered prayer. And they see much glory brought to Yahweh. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Yeshua Messiah, thank you for these great promises of answered prayer. Teach me, teach others to pray in your name. Please shape us by praying that all your word reveals concerning your will and your work on my behalf. Father, it's not my will, it's your will. I pray that these souls come out of darkness and come to the light of the gospel of Yeshua Messiah. I pray that we can save these souls, Father, and reach out to them. I pray for the wisdom and the knowledge that I'm able to do that, Lord, to bring those out. I thank you, Father, for sharing with me those hidden elements as you reveal the darkness of evil the plan of their battle that we may expose their deception. Bring it to light that we may save the souls. Father, I realize it's a long, hard road 
There's a lot of work that has to be done, possibly, possibly in a short period of time. Father, I pray for the listeners out there this morning. I pray that they seek out to do your will to save souls, to expose the darkness. Lord, I understand we're not going to be able to stop it. I understand that. But I also realize it's my responsibility and the listeners out there this morning that we can win souls before it's too late. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that gift that we truly enjoy there at Calvary's cross. You see, that gift destroyed death, evil. And we have to realize that the kingdom of Yeshua Messiah now lies in this earth within our hearts. And with that, we can walk boldly out in the public sharing the gospel of Yeshua Messiah to those that lie in darkness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all things. In that precious name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen.